This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quickly and quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not sleep with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them.
Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. And especially, I want to say a Merry Christmas to those of you who are joining us over at our Sunnyvale campus. What's up? Merry Christmas to you. And to those of you who are joining us at our very first ever service for the South San Jose campus of South Bay Church. What's up? Merry Christmas. Yeah, we love Christmas here at South Bay Church, and I'm sure if you're like the rest of us, you know, this is a time where you're putting the final touches on the Christmas presents, and you're getting ready. And, you know, most families, when we're getting ready for Christmas, we all have that one family member that gets horrible presents for everybody, right? There's that uncle that gets you the ugly sweater every year, or maybe you have that aunt that always buys the loud toys for your kids, and you have to listen to them for the next 12 months. And, you know, if you can't think of who that family member is in your family, guess what? It's probably you, so just in case. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. But you know, Christmas oftentimes is about presents. We are all about giving the perfect present. We'll work hard, we'll search high and low, we'll spend lots of money all around this idea of giving somebody the greatest present they've ever received. Now, sometimes presents don't work. Sometimes presents fail. We have present fails. So I was looking through the internet and I saw some of the worst presents I've ever seen and I thought I'd share some of them with you. So the first one is this. It's a toilet seat. You're like, how in the world did somebody come up with a toilet seat? It's like, I saw that crack in your toilet seat. And, you know, I thought I'd get you a new one. I don't know, maybe. Okay, what do we have next here? A salmon, or, or excuse me, a rainbow trout tie. You know, like, I love rainbows. I love trout. I love rainbow trout, but just not on a tie. Like, that's right at your midsection. So, anyways, please don't ever get me a rainbow trout tie. Thirdly, we have here, what to expect when you're expecting. Now, this is a good book to get for somebody who's expecting, but apparently this book was bought for a teenage girl, an uncle and an aunt bought it for their niece, who was not married and not expecting, but they got her what to expect when you're expecting. So, go figure. The next one, this is a little passive aggressive here. A monthly pass to Weight Watchers. You know, it's like, I, I know we all, we probably all need to lose a few pounds, or some of us do, but just, just don't give me a Weight Watchers pass. So, and then last, but certainly not least, can I get a drum roll for this final one here? This is the best one. You're going to love it. It's Bedtime Barbie. That's creepy right there. I mean, she's got, she has like demon eyes. It's just something about Barbie at bedtime. You know, bedtime's good, Barbie's good, but bedtime Barbie. So anyways, sometimes presents don't go as we hope they will. And you know, what happens in our lives is eventually we shift. The older we get, the more mature we become. Christmas goes from presents then to presents, to being with the people in our life that we love. And we'll reach out, we'll call, we'll text, we'll spend money to be together, all to be in the presence of people we love. And sometimes our efforts to connect with one another, those also are a fail. So we can look at a couple of these. When we text and we send messages, here's one. You are definitely coming here for Christmas, uh, right? I'm cooking ham. Yes, and I'm bringing drugs. <laughs> what kind of drugs? I wonder. Oh, you, you are. Don't even think about bringing drugs into this house, Melissa. Wow. Chill, Mom. I meant I'm bringing Doug. Well, why didn't you say that? Because Siri wouldn't let me? All right, next one. 
Love, love Xmas music. Santa Maria's coming to town. Nice, because Nina and Pinta have been here for years. Santa Claus. Sweet baby Jesus. I mean, Jesus. Just stop texting for everyone's sake, Kim. Put your phone away. It's just call. It doesn't work. Can I call you later? Gotta run. I'm taking the kids to see Satan. Anybody take their kids to see Satan this, this Christmas? Oh, wow. I know they've been a handful this year, but that seems kind of harsh, right? Haha, ha, Santa, I'm laughing so hard. And then Ryan is eating Donner with her friend. Oh, poor Donner. How are the rest of the Aindeer going to fly? And sometimes messages just don't go as we hope. And last but not least, Merry Christmas. Kisans, Krusam, Christmas. Just keep trying. Just keep going. Christmas, Christmas. Eventually, you'll get it. Finally, I got it. Can we give it up for the fails with autocorrect? Thank you so much, Siri, for helping us out this Christmas. And you know, we, we long to be with people, to connect relationally. And as much as we'll make phone calls, we'll do FaceTime, we'll send text messages, we all know that nothing beats being with the people you love. There's something about being together as a family, being together with friends that we love to be with, to be in the presence of the people that we care about. And somehow in our hearts, when the people we care about are not with us during the holiday season, there's an emptiness, there's a void. Maybe there's somebody in your life, a friend or a family member, they moved across the country, or maybe there's a loved one that passed away this year. And that longing or that hole inside of your heart that you experience is very real. And what I want us to see in our time together today, that longing inside of you is evidence that you were created to connect. There's a reason why we will go great lengths to be with people that we love. There are folks from South Bay Church that are joining us online spread across the country and even across the world. People will spend thousands and thousands of dollars, get stuck in airports. They will go great lengths to be with, to be together with people that they care about. And those efforts show us that we were created for relationship, to connect with one another. And the Christmas story at its core really is about God going to great lengths to connect with us, to connect with the people that he loves, to be with us. In the first century, when Jesus would enter humanity, when God would enter into our reality, it would happen in the most unusual way, in a way that the first century Israelites were not expecting. Because there was this perfect storm converging around the birth of Jesus. There was this mighty, powerful Roman Empire that had its thumb on the nation of Israel. And they had heard all of these prophecies. In fact, the Israelites had prophet after prophet after prophet that wrote about the coming of a savior. And they were looking forward in anticipation with hope and expectancy about that moment when the savior would enter into their reality. But there was a part of the way that they were looking that was lost in translation. They were looking for something entirely different than what would come in the birth of Jesus. And a lot of it flowed out of their understanding of God. See, there was this one word that God used to name himself. In fact, the word God chose to name himself was and is Yahweh. Now, we as human beings, we name our children. God has the privilege of naming himself. 
And the name that he would choose is I am, I exist. I've existed in the past, I exist now, and I'll exist into the future. That's an awesome name. If I were a professional wrestler, I'd love that name. I'm like, I'm here, I am. And God chose that name, but that name meant several things. It meant holy, that God was set apart. There was no one like him. It meant that he was righteous. That all of his ways were good. They were right. There was no evil inside of him. And then it meant that he was sovereign. There was such reverence in the heart of the Israelites that whenever the name Yahweh was written, they wouldn't even put in the vowels because they didn't think that they were worthy to write out his full name. In fact, they wouldn't even speak the name Yahweh. They would just simply say the name. And they revered this God. But their understanding of God and their picture of a holy and righteous God who was sovereign over the universe began to get a little bit skewed. And eventually what happened for them is they started to see Yahweh as not just holy, righteous, and sovereign. They started to see that God or Yahweh was holy and distant, that he was far away from the people, that he wanted to have nothing to do with them, that not only was he distant, but he was righteous and angry. That because he had this standard of perfection for himself, he was waiting for the perfect opportunity to kill people, to strike them down for their misbehavior. And then not only was he sovereign, but he was cruel. That really, if all of this injustice could exist in the world, it could only exist in their minds with, with a cruel God. Now, I wonder today, if we're to stop and pause and we're honest with each other, if many of us have this view of who God is. That if I were to ask you what God is like, if you believe that God exists, many of us would choose these words to describe what we think about with God. We think he's distant. We think he's angry. We think he's cruel. And we look at the evidence that we see all around us. We see wars. We see people in the media losing their lives. We, we see all of these political battles being waged. And oftentimes we draw the same conclusions that the Israelites drew, that God wanted to have nothing to do with them, that he was so separate and distant that relationship with the holy was not even possible. But enter Jesus into the scene, into the story of humanity. And the angel would choose a word that God named Jesus with, and it is this, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the way that God chose to come and be with us was, was the most foreign, peculiar way. It's not how you would expect a high and mighty king to enter the universe. In fact, when he would be born, he would be born to a peasant, virgin, teenage girl into the most humble of circumstances, being placed into a feeding trough where Donkeys and goats would place their mouths and eat their food. And now we would see this picture of God being near, gentle, and humble. A God who would enter into our reality in the most gentle and humble of circumstances. And somehow, so many of them missed it. It's kind of like this. So a couple weeks ago, I'm at the house and we're washing dishes and I love dishwashers. 
You guys love dishwashers? They're incredible. I, I love how you could just like throw a, a plate in there with food on it and it comes out clean. It's just like a man's per, a perfect invention for a man. Now, somebody's saying it doesn't work that way, but you know, I don't really see them afterwards. I just throw them in there and I'm out, you know, like peace out. Hope it works out for you. But I'm, I'm, I'm loading the dishwasher and there's no dishwashing detergent underneath the sink. So this is a crisis. This is like First world problem right here. No dishwashing detergent, which means I, I might have to wash these things by hand. So I, I said to Stacy, my wife, I'm like, hey, babe, wh where's the dishwashing detergent? Where is it? She's like, it's in the pantry. So I go to the pantry and I look and, you know, I, I'm, I'm scanning back and forth. No dishwashing detergent. She's like, it's there. It's there. You guys ever had this happen in your house? It's, it's there, I promise you. And I'm like, well, where is it? She said, it's on the third shelf. So I go, one, two, three. It's not there. One, two, three. It's not there. So now I'm at this point about to swallow my man pride and ask for some help, right? So swallow it, invite her into the, the pantry. She comes in and she's like, it's right there in front of your face, six inches in front of your face. I'm like, wow, there it is. Now, you want to know why I didn't see it? Somebody just said, because you're a man. Yeah, that, that plays into it. But I have a justification in my mind for why I didn't see it. Because I had only ever seen the dishwashing detergent from an angle. It's like every time I saw it, there was other stuff on top of it, and it was, it was just a little slice of it. I'd only seen it from an angle, so when it was staring me straight in the face, I could not recognize it. And that's exactly what happened when Jesus came to earth. They had only ever seen God from an angle. But he came in the fullness of God's glory, fully God and fully man. And most of them entirely missed it. And now in Jesus is this beautiful picture of who God has been all along. Yahweh, the great I am who is holy, righteous, and sovereign, what we now see is a God who is Yahweh and Emmanuel, not compromising either of them. And he's holy and near. He's righteous and gentle. He's sovereign and humble. And he would enter into the reality that you and I live in to come and walk among us so that we could know the heart of God. Ultimately, he would enter into our world so that we could enter into his world. And you know, let's just face it. We all know that Christmas is the obligatory time that we go to church, right? You know, you have a family member, Christmas, Easter, they drag you, they bring you here, and it's once or twice a year, which... I'm, I'm glad you're here. I don't want to make you feel guilty for being in church once or twice a year. Once or twice a year in church is better than no times a year in church, right? I just keep saying that about the gym. I'm like, once or twice a year in the gym is better than no times a year in the gym. 
all joking aside, you, you, you may not even believe in the existence of God. You're just, you're ready to get home, get your Christmas dinner and get Santa Claus presents, you know, to come down the, the chimney to you. And I totally get that. And I, I heard this interesting quote one time about the Russian government when they sent some, some of their astronauts into space and they came back and they reported what they saw in outer space. And the Russian government made this statement. They had the audacity to say this. They said, we went in to outer space. We looked around. We didn't see God anywhere. And so he must not exist. And there was this famous theologian that it was a contemporary at the time by the name of C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis heard this report from the Russian government. And he said, you know, the, the Russian government saying that they went up to outer space and God doesn't exist is kind of like Romeo and Juliet looking out at the audience of their play and saying Shakespeare doesn't exist. We went up into the balcony and Shakespeare wasn't there so he didn't exist. Now I know that's like ancient modern times. It'd be like Luke Skywalker and he travels to the next galaxy and he is like I went there George Lucas is not anywhere. He's not anywhere to be found. See, the only way that Romeo and Juliet and George Lucas would know that the author existed is if the author inserted himself into the story and showed himself to the characters. And Christmas is the point at which God inserts himself into the story of humanity to reveal his heart to you and to me, to show his love, and he does it in the most unusual way. In the form of a small, gentle, meek, and mild baby to show his heart of compassion for you. I love this story of a guy by the name of Father Damien. I'd love to read it to you. Father Damien was this priest, and he sensed God's leadership to go and share the message of Jesus with people who had leprosy. The story says that as a young priest, Father Damien left the comfort of Belgium to serve lepers on the other side of the world. He went to the island of Molokai, which was beautiful, but the disease was hideous. Leprosy, which attacks the fingers, toes, ears, eyes, and eventually consumes the whole body, was eating these people alive. Facing the task of serving 700 lepers on Molokai, Father Damien soon realized that they were not only suffering physically, but spiritually and morally. In despair, many had turned to alcohol and disordered sexuality, and the priests tried to reach them, but they knew he was really not one of them. Then one day in 1885, everything changed. At the age of 45, in a calm, clear voice, he revealed, My fellow lepers, I am now one of you. It began in his toes, and the disease would soon spread to his face, his hands, and his entire body. But he continued to serve his fellow lepers for four more years until his death in April of 1889. And as a result of him getting leprosy, this entire group of people would see the love of Jesus and respond, but it wasn't until he became one of them that they were open to the message. Christmas and the story of Jesus is God becoming one of us and facing the entirety of our brokenness, our suffering, our difficulty, our hardship, so that we could know his heart.
And this Christmas, it's very possible that God could be right there in front of you and you could miss it. That you could miss the depth of his compassion and his love for you. And today he wants you to know that he entered this world so that you can enter his. And that little baby boy wouldn't stay little very long. In fact, he would grow up to live a perfect sinless life for 33 years and at the end of it he would be placed onto a rugged Roman cross and he would have nails in his hands and his feet and he'd have a crown of thorns in his head and blood would spill down the sides of his body all for love all for you all so that you could know and connect back to his heart and after being placed into a grave he would conquer the grave victoriously putting death to its defeat, showing that he was Yahweh, that he was God, the great I am, that death could not hold him down. And now today, no matter where you are in your journey spiritually, this good news is available to you that Emmanuel, God with us, wants to dwell with you. He wants to walk through this holiday season with you in the pain, in the hardship, in the rejoicing, in the elation. He wants to sit with you in the midst of it. And he's asking you, will you receive him? Will you open your heart today to the love that he has for you and to recognize in a fresh way he entered into our world so that we could enter into his? Let's pray together. Jesus, we are so grateful today for this good news that you have come that we might have life, that you lived among us. Thank you for going to great lengths so that we could connect to your heart. And we know that that hole that we feel inside of our hearts without your presence is, is there because you've created us for connection with your heart. And now in this moment, I know that there are so many that are here at our services at all three campuses that have never responded to your love. And I pray that today would be that day for each of us, that it would be the day that we open up our hearts to you. In fact, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if that's you today, if you've never received God's love and the grace that is available in Jesus, we want to invite you to receive that today. You can do so just by telling him in your heart, God, I recognize my need for you. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins and that you conquered the grave. And I want to give you command. I want to give you the keys of my life and put you in charge right now. And in this moment, as you pray that prayer and you, you open your heart to God, he steps in. Connection between us and God is formed. And I want to invite you, if that's you, if you prayed that today, to let us know on the back of the connection card to write down that I made a decision to follow Jesus. And for all of us today, Jesus, we are grateful that you came to be with us. And now even as we sing the words of this song, Emmanuel, God with us, may this message be fresh. May we sense your presence. May we know in the core of who we are that you love us, that you're for us, that you stand waiting for us to come to you and to receive your grace and mercy into our lives. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you stand?